the product itself. The idea is that by taking a loss on the sale, hence loss leader, you are leading people into your store with the intent of having them buy not only the bargain, but other things that are not discounted. When you see an ad for a great sale somewhere, that store is using the loss leader strategy. They are hoping to lead you into their establishment with a discounted ad price, then sell you something more expensive. Customers may buy the discounted item, or they may not. The important thing is they are visiting the business. Once they get there, the rest is up to you. It's when they buy other things from you that you make up for the loss you are taking on the sale item. For example, say that you own a bookstore. By advertising a bestseller cheap, you might attract your clientele back into your store. Once they come in and locate that book, they might find alongside it a compatible book, or some CDs, or some other item that would compensate for loss on the bestseller. The loss leads to a big sell. Other than bringing customers in the door, a loss leader is also used for the following: moving unwanted merchandise. If you have stock that's not moving or you otherwise want to get rid of it, a loss leader can move it. People. Love a bargain. Attracting new customers. New customers can learn about your business when they hear about the sale. For example, the bookstore could buy a lot of teen novels, discount them, and and thereby attract the always desirable younger shopper with disposable income. Building your brand. Earlier, I said that if you do not want yours to be known as a discount shop, you do not compete on price. However, now the opposite is true. If you would like to be known as the low-cost leader, then a loss leader strategy will help associate your business with that phrase. It is important, though, that you do not sell junk at a discount. That is probably not the sort of brand you want to create. Create repeat customers. Once people find your store and see how well they are treated, what good prices you have, and the friendly staff that waits on them, they will likely come back again and again. The loss leader is a time-honored business strategy that works, but to make sure it works for you, two precautions are necessary. First, make sure that the lost profit can be countered by the sales of other goods or services. If you price something too low and people don't buy anything else, the loss leads nowhere. It's no longer a loss leader; it's just a loss. Second, be sure that you actually have the discounted item for sale. And at the price you advertised it, not having it unless you sell out, or not having it at the price you mentioned in the ad, is fraud, and it's illegal. As long as you do not price the item too low and thereby take too large a hit in the process, the loss leader can be a very smart pricing policy. Use it to build your customer base and your reputation. <laughs> Chapter Thirteen: Small Business Technology. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. That's a quote from Arthur C. Clarke. The computer internet information technology revolution that has occurred over the past twenty years has radically transformed business generally and small business in particular. Indeed, if there has been one event in the past generation. That has changed small business. The computer revolution is it. Today, small businesses have tools and technology to look and act big, while maintaining the nimbleness and entrepreneurial spirit that makes them unique. However, technology is changing so rapidly that it would be impossible to discuss what is being offered today without its being out of date tomorrow. Rather, this chapter examines the trends in small business technology, so that you can see that the options small businesses have today are not your father's Oldsmobile. The interconnected office. One of the best new features of the small business office is that you can now run your business from anywhere—from home on the weekends or while on a business trip in Cincinnati. Computer technology has made it so that you can access vital info on your computers wherever you are and share it with members of your team wherever they are. This is done in one of two ways. First, for the smaller small business, the latest version of Microsoft Windows allows for the creation of a remote connection to other computers. By properly configuring your home computer, for instance, you can remotely access your computer desktop at the office. 
Secondly, we all know that a server has something to do with the net, but what exactly? When two or more computers log into the same internet site, that site sits on a server, sort of a master hub that connects other computers. For a business, you might want to think of it as the central nervous system, the place through which all business information can flow and, more importantly, can be shared within the business. Most offices these days have information stored on various computers. Key contacts might be on your computer, while important email addresses might be on your secretaries, and your client list sits on the computer of your VP of sales. No, it's not the most efficient system, but it is how many small businesses work. Imagine now that instead you had a master computer to house and store all of your vital company information, a computer that can be accessed equally by everyone in your office, from wherever they may be in the world. This is your server. A small business server is a centralized place to store business information, keep you better organized, and to keep your staff better informed. The Wireless Office Beyond networking your computers, another great advancement in the field of small business technology is wireless fidelity, or Wi-Fi. Checking email, surfing the net, or connecting to your desktop from your laptop while sitting at Starbucks or at an airport makes running your small business easier and more fun. Even more important is that wireless networks allow your employees to be connected while on the go, without having to wait until they get back into the office or get to the hotel to plug in, allows them to get more work done in real time because wireless networks use radio signals, as opposed to wires and cables, to connect to a local area network, or LAN. You have the ability to get connected from a wide variety of places. Wireless networks are growing quickly, and as sales increase, price drops. So, going wireless has never been easier or more affordable. If you'd like to create a wireless LAN for your small business, keep these tips in mind understand the need. Today's small business is much different from those in days of yore. The new small business should be fairly high-tech, computer-driven workplace. Moreover, the days when employees come in at 9 and leave at 5 are also gone. Between job sharing, flex time, and changing schedules and increased mobility, many employees work at times and places other than the old norm. According to Microsoft.com slash businesses, Small business employees are at their desks only 30% of the time. As such, wireless networks can make your employees more productive. Between meetings, they can catch up on email or work on that presentation, for instance. Furthermore, by using laptops, personal digital assistants, PDAs, or even their phones, employees are able to access the network. If, however, yours is a business that is more traditional, then a wireless network is probably not necessary. Find a vendor that specializes in small business. Yes, you may get a better deal from a smaller company, but in cutting-edge technology, especially, it is smart to buy from established veterans who have the infrastructure in place to help you make your wireless network succeed. Hire an expert. The larger your network, that is, the more users, the more complicated it is to create and maintain a wireless network. It is smart to hire an information technology, IT expert, to set up your network properly from the get-go. Dr. Arthur Levine is a pediatrician who owns Advanced Pediatrics in Beechwood, Ohio. With two doctors, some nurses, and support staff, Advanced Pediatrics is the prototypical small business. When he opened the doors to his clinic, Dr. Levine installed a Microsoft small business server and is quite happy with the results. Because his computer desk sits on his server and not his desktop computer, he can access his virtual desktop from anywhere. Thus, for example, if he gets a call one night from a parent of a sick child, he can log on to his home computer, access his office computer, the interface looks exactly the same as if he were on his office computer, by the way, and read the child's chart, knowing instantly the child's medical history, medications, and so on. Dr. Levine also installed an intranet. This is an internal web page that only staff can access. It can, for instance, announce the next staff meeting, list the vacation schedule, publicize important events, and so on. 
Dr. Levine told me that he loves this network because it ties the team together. He estimated that the business has saved the practice between $40,000 and $60,000 this year because the technology allowed him to hire less staff. Mobility Tools Wireless is just the latest of the many and ever-increasing tools in the arsenal of Mobile Business Warrior. Laptops As laptop computers become lighter and less expensive, and as email and Internet use are also increasing, the tool of choice for many mobile small business people is the laptop. What is making laptop use even more attractive these days is that not only has battery life increased, but wireless cards enable users to log on almost everywhere. A recent variation on the standard laptop is the tablet PC. These devices use handwriting recognition software to allow users to enter information on longhand. Tablet PCs have proven especially handy for use in meetings. A word of warning. More than a half a million laptops are stolen every year. It is therefore important to protect yours first, Always keep it near you, especially at airports where thieves look for laptop cases briefly unattended, especially in airport restrooms. Be sure to keep your laptop case close by. More than a few business people have had their laptops stolen, snatched by the strap while they were, well, indisposed. Consider also insuring your laptop. A policy can be bought for less than $100. Moreover, as damage to your laptop is more likely than theft, let such policies cover most damage makes buying even smarter. Finally, you can purchase software that tracks your laptop to its new internet connection if it is ever stolen. Absolute Software's software tracks stolen computers. www.absoluteabsolute.com PDAs slash cell phones. It used to be that PDAs, personal digital assistants like Palm Pilot, and cell phones would be treated as separate entities. Cell phones made phone calls and PDAs kept you organized, but no longer. One of the best changes in mobile technology is the advent of all-in-one device that allows you to handle all of those chores and more in one nifty advice. Products like RIM's BlackBerry, HP's iPack, Handspring's Trio, and a host of so-called smartphones and pocket PCs will let you make calls, send and receive emails, take pictures, work, and of course, play games. Global Positioning Systems, GPS. Many of the aforementioned uh, devices, as well as standalone products, offer global positioning systems, or GPS. This allows you to always know where you are and practically never get lost. That's especially good if you are on the road a lot. Her exact location is plotted via 24 satellite navigational system that orbits and continuously sends signals back to Earth. Video conferencing. Another tool you may want to check out is video conferencing, especially after September 11th. Video conferencing has taken off. While traditional video conferencing was done with video cameras and telephones, this technology is being challenged and changed, as is everything else, by the web. Internet video conferencing allows you to meet with people remotely on a prearranged web page or via webcam, share PowerPoint presentations, and conduct a virtual meeting. It is much less expensive than the traditional model and can also be done via laptop while you are on the road. Intranet Another trend in business is the use of an intranet to facilitate communication among you and your staff. An intranet is a web-based network available only to you, your employees, and possibly selected partners and customers. Having an intranet makes a lot of sense for many small businesses. First, if you have people who are not always working at the place of business, for example, if you have a virtual company or partners on the road or telecommunicators or traveling salespeople and so on, communication is always an issue. An intranet allows you to instantly communicate the same message to everyone. On it, that is on your internal company website, you can post important updates, sales reports, memos, policies, meeting times, vacation schedules, PDF files of important forms, and 
other important information that everyone needs to know. An intranet can also build camaraderie. By offering chat boards and instant messaging, your intranet can become the 21st century water cooler, the place where employees can get to know one another, exchange ideas, and chat about work. More importantly, on the intranet, people can work on and share the same documents and files. Accordingly, the most up-to-date version of that file will always be available and in a place where everyone knows where it can be located. You can hire an expert to create an intranet for you, or you can buy an off-the-shelf solution. Some of the more popular ones are Instant Intranet Builder, Intrasmart, Intranet Suite, and InfoStreet. The cost should be a few hundred dollars a year. Computer Security To avoid losing time, documents, customer lists, or worse, here are some simple steps you can take to ensure the safety of your computer or network. We hear a lot about computer worms and viruses. What are they exactly? A virus is a program that destroys data. A worm is a program that sends copies of itself to people in your email address book. Get a firewall. A firewall is a program that does two things. First, it hides your computer from the Internet at large so that hackers and viruses can't see you. Second, if a virus does infect your computer, the firewall warns you and lets you stop it from transmitting to other computers via the net. As the name implies, it is a wall between your computer and the outside world. Zonealarm.com has a great free firewall you can download. Get an antivirus program. Although a firewall is intended to protect you from unwanted infiltration, it does occur. Antivirus software is your next line of defense. A good antivirus program is a must, as it both warns you of potential problems and then rids you of actual ones. Symantec and McAlfee make very good antivirus programs. New viruses come out all the time, therefore it is vital that you get an antivirus program that can be updated via the web and that you update it every month or so. Protect yourself from spyware. Spyware are programs that infect and slow down your system with unwanted and unnecessary spy programs. You must run anti-spyware software on a fairly regular basis to keep your machines running fast. Check out L-A-V-A-S-O-F-T-U-S-A dot C-O-M slash software S-O-F-T-W-A-R-E slash Adaware A-D-A-W-A-R-E slash and spybot.com for downloadable free anti-spyware programs. Back up your system. Losing data to a virus is a very bad experience. Try losing four chapters of a book. It is quite important then to back up your data fairly regularly. Saving critical documents onto a CD or a DVD is easy. Chapter 14. Small Business Software Buying the right computer and getting it to work properly is no more complicated than building a nuclear reactor from Wistrotch parts in a darkened room using only your teeth. That's a quote from Dave Barry. The point of software is to make your business more effective. Although it is supposed to save you time and make things run more smoothly, we all know that that is not always the case. With the tons of software available, both pre-installed and commercially available, it is sometimes hard to separate the wheat from the chaff. So in this chapter, we look at what software your small business really needs and give you an idea about your options. A caveat. There is so much software on the market today that it would be impossible to analyze every product available. A good web search will allow you to compare scores of products and prices. Instead, I want to give you an idea about which products are the market leaders and how these leaders compare. That is not to say they are the only products available because they are not. However, I have found that when a few products dominate a field, it is for a good reason. They are usually the best. You can compare prices for business software at www.mysimon.com. Office Suites Almost all computers now come pre-installed with some sort of basic office suite that allows you to draft simple documents and so on. 
Well, these are nice products. If you are serious about running a successful small business, you will likely need to upgrade to something more robust. A good office suite should be an integrated program that allows you to create documents and spreadsheets, produce marketing materials, manage email and contacts, and much more. As your office suite will become your basic essential daily tool for organizing and running your business, you should not always shy away from buying a good one. This is not a place to skimp. Microsoft Office Small Business Edition Microsoft has been putting out a small business edition of its ubiquitous office suite for several years, and it is worth checking out. It really is designed with a small business owner in mind. As with regular editions of Office, Office Small Business is a bundle of essential programs, Word, Word Processing, Excel, Spreadsheets, Outlook, Contacts, Calendar and Email, and Publisher Graphics. It also now comes with PowerPoint presentations and a new product called the Business Contact Manager, which allows you to track leads and help turn them into sales. It is the leader. Coral WordPerfect Office Microsoft Office or Coral WordPerfect Office are your two main choices when it comes to office suites. The Coral program comes with WordPerfect word processing, Quattro Pro spreadsheets, Coral presentations, presentations, and Coral Central appointments and email. Like Microsoft Office, this is an excellent product for handling your daily office tasks. The question really is whether you want to work in a Microsoft environment or in a Coral environment. Microsoft Works. This is a program designed for home and student use as most businesses will need Excel and PowerPoint and Works does not come with those. However, for a small home based business, Works may do the trick and it is hard to beat the price. It's only about a hundred dollars. Here you get simple spreadsheets, a calendar, a dress book, word processing program and some extra goodies, napping software, finance program and so on. Contact Management Software Contact management software is intended to keep track of clients, leads, and prospects and help turn those leads into customers. A good contact management program should be able to import contacts from other programs and integrate with email programs. ACT, like other similar programs, ACT, which has been around for quite some time, allows you to manage contact information in one place, including names, business names, phone numbers, addresses, and so on manage leads, customers, and vendors, track each relationship, and create sales forecasting models. ACT can be shared, thereby keeping everyone's notes about customers and vendors in a central location. However, some people have a hard time integrating ACT with Outlook. Goldmine Another granddaddy in this field, Goldmine is a popular choice. Its interface is similar to Microsoft Outlook with taskbar and menu options, including the ability to create custom taskbars. This program easily integrates with Outlook, Microsoft Exchange, Lotus Notes, and Lotus CC Mail. Goldmine's contact management tools are powerful. For instance, when you create and send a letter, fax, or email, the program automatically records your interactions with the contact. You can also forecast sales, complete transactions, assign quotas for employees, and easily create reports and charts analyzing sales data. Microsoft Business Contact Manager, BCM. BCM allows you to manage your customer and sales opportunities very efficiently. What are their prospects of making that sale 80%? Plug that into BCM, sort out your highest potential sales, set a callback date, and presto! Your prospects with the highest probability of being sold are now part of your calendar. BCM also allows you to create any one of 20 custom reports that can be exported to Excel or Word. Note, however, that when integrated with Outlook, both BCM and Outlook take quite a while to load. Accounting Software a good accounting software program is probably a must for small businesses with employees. If your small business is just you, you can probably get by with a basic money management program like Quicken. But if your business is bigger, is going to get bigger, then a program like the ones listed next is required. All of these programs offer similar tools, budgeting, accounts, receivable management, payroll, inventory control, and so on. The key, then, is to find a program that offers the extra bells and whistles you want and functionality you like. QuickBooks QuickBooks is the standard in the field. 
It has an easy-to-use, intuitive interface and powerful tools which should please both the new and seasoned entrepreneur alike. Sure, it handles all of your basic accounting needs, but it also has more sophisticated functions like loan management, cash flow forecasting, tracking of fixed assets, and vehicle mileage tracking. Peachtree Complete Accounting Peachtree is another solid choice. It is especially good at handling e-commerce and has a host of usable financial features. Some of the best options are the inventory control function, which lets you track product based on the size or color, and the daily register report, which is a snapshot of your daily activity. MyOB Plus This is a similar, less expensive program which does not offer advanced options like cash flow projections. The newer versions of this product allow you to process credit card payments and direct deposit paychecks into employee accounts. Simply Accounting This program is easy to use and inexpensive, good for small businesses that has basic accounting needs and a tight budget. Business Planning Software Business plans are not just for startups in need of capital. They are essential tools for anyone running a small business who wants to think strategically, plot a course of action, and follow up to see how well the plan is being followed. A good business planning program will walk you through the steps necessary to create a usable, powerful business plan. Business Plan Pro The best-selling business planning software for a reason. Business Plan Pro is useful to the novice and experienced businessmen alike. It easily helps you work through each category in the plan. For example, executive summary, sales forecasts, etc. and contains more than 400 sample plans. The business plan in the appendix of this book comes from Business Plan Pro. With excellent templates, charts and graphs, the program is also easy to use. An excellent choice! Palo Alto Software, the makers of Business Plan Pro, also has a great product that can help you create a marketing plan called Marketing Plan Pro. Business Plan Writer. This program interviews you and then helps shape your answers cogently. It offers example for each stage along the way, has hundreds of sample plans, and helps you through the process. Antivirus and anti-spam software. The twin technological plagues of the modern era computer viruses and email spam must be controlled if you are to be at all productive at work. As a virus can ruin your computer and spam can slow your work to a crawl, containing these problems is vital. As discussed in the previous chapter, Symantec and McAfee make excellent antivirus programs, and while spam control is being built into many office suites nowadays, you still may need extra help. McAfee Spam Killer Unwanted emails can be greatly reduced with this program. Using filters, lists, and reports, Spam Killer blocks plenty of spam, monitors your email, and quarantines what does get through. Mailwasher, another excellent program, and even better, free. Go to Mailwasher.net. The makers of this product, Panicware Software, also offer a very good pop-up blocker, also for free. Norton Anti-Spam. The makers of Norton Antivirus has a similarly effective tool for the spam menace. Very effective. Also, install an anti-spyware program. Check out www.lavasoftusa.com slash software slash adaware or www.spybot.com e-commerce solutions almost any small business needs a web presence today for obvious reasons whereas creating a website used to be a fairly complicated matter requiring a webmaster and although more sophisticated sites will still require expert help simple off-the-shelf solutions are available for those small businesses that just need a basic website these programs will help you design and publish a fine site shopping cart included macromedia dreamweaver a very popular program among professionals. Dreamweaver has a powerful array of layout tools, applications, and other services to create and implement websites. Easy to use, says one expert. Microsoft Front Page. Front Page is another easy to use product that allows you to intuitively create websites, especially if you are used to the Microsoft Office environment. 
as FrontPage uses the same sort of interface as, say, Word. FrontPage works well for both beginners and those more experienced with web design. Note that your web host will need FrontPage extensions installed on their server for your site to work. NetObjects Fusion this easy-to-use design program helps you build a site with W-Y-S-I-W-Y-G. Whatever you see is whatever you get. Technology while offering shopping carts, credit card processing, and other e-commerce solutions. Yahoo! Yahoo! Small Business offers very easy, affordable merchant solutions. Starting at about $50 a month, you can get online and start selling. Go to HTTP slash slash smallbusiness.yahoo.com The preceding categories should give you a basic understanding of the types of software most small businesses use and your options within each category. Maybe you will need additional software, such as point-of-purchase programs, but as a general rule, these programs will give you a solid foundation. Part 3 Money. Chapter 15. Accounting Ease. There's no business like show business, but there are several businesses like accounting. That was a quote by David Letterman. Business accounting is a way to keep score. If one purpose of business is to make a profit, then proper business accounting helps you know how well you are doing. No, it's not glamorous, and yes, it is important. Remember, there are two parts to your business, doing the things you love and doing the things you must. Accounting falls into the latter group, unless, of course, you are an accountant. Accounting Basics Accounting is the general process of tracking your income and expenses and then using that data to examine the financial status of your business. Your basic accounting tool is the general ledger. It's the place where you keep track of all the business financial transactions. That information is then used to create financial statements, such as balance sheets and income statements. An accounting period is a set amount of time where a business's financial reports can be compared with one another. They can be months, quarters, or years. One year in a company's financial life is called a fiscal year. The general ledger is made up of four basic categories, assets, liabilities, income, and expenses. All general ledger entries are double entries. Debits are kept on the left and credits on the right. And for every financial transaction in your business, the debits and credits flow from one side of the ledger to another. When you sell something, for instance, you record a sale, credit on one side, but you also have to debit your inventory on the other. For every debit, there should be an equal and offsetting credit. When debits and credits are unequal, your books don't balance. All debits and credits either increase or decrease an account balance. Double entry general ledger accounting dates back to the 15th century. The first written description comes from a 1458 manuscript by Bendetto Cortughelli, and a Franciscan monk, Luca Pacchioli, included it in its seminal work, Summa d'Arithmiatica Geometria Proportioni per Proportionality, printed in Venice, Italy, on a Gutenberg press in 1494. Each area that feeds the general ledger is also its own sub-ledger containing details about what is going on. For example, daily sales and payments are recorded in the accounts payable and receivable sub-ledgers and correspondingly increase cash and decrease inventory in the general ledger. In the previous chapter, several different accounting programs that you can buy are listed. It's much easier to understand how a general ledger works if you buy a program like QuickBooks, since it will walk you through the process and do much of the work for you. When you are organizing the accounting department of your small business, although one person often handles everything, it is optimum to hire two. The problem with a single accounts payable and receivable person is that having one person write checks and then reconcile the checking account is asking for trouble. Your ledger will be the basis of your basic financial reports that either your software or your accountant will create. Financial reports, like profit and loss statements, are important because they are a snapshot of the financial health of your business. For instance, your income ledger will tell you how much money you bought in this month, but you will know your profit only when it is compared to your expense ledger. Your accounts receivables will tell you whether your customers are paying on time, and whether you have enough coming in to pay your accounts payable. 
Therefore, financial reports give you the overall picture of the fiscal condition of your business. Budgeting. Would you ever get into your car with a bag over your head and drive away? Of course not. How would you know if you had enough gas, or were headed in the right direction, or had an emergency red light flashing? Your eyes and the car give you the feedback necessary to help you safely get to where you want to go. In financial terms, running your business without a budget is like driving a car with a bag over your head. How will you know if you have enough money to expand? How can you tell if you're on track to accomplish your sales goals this year? Can you afford another employee? Your budget will tell you. Without a budget, you can't really see if you're headed where you're planned on going. Indeed, all too often, small business people have no clear financial idea of how they will get where they want to go, and it is not hard to see why. Most of us view budgets as a necessary evil at best, and something to be avoided at worst. The traditional view is that a budget is a restrictive plan, forcing you to deprive yourself of what you want. The good news is that a budget can be much different. It helps to rethink the word. Instead of the word budget, substitute plan. A good plan is a guide, not a noose. A reasonable, intelligent plan is a business tool that allows you to allocate your resources to your greatest benefit. Creating a plan lets you control your business's cash flow instead of it controlling you. Creating a budget need not be complicated or time-consuming task. The key is to figure out how much you will have to spend and where you want to spend it. It's a matter of digging through your records to see how much comes in, where it has been going, and then deciding where you would rather have it go. That really is all a budget is, a business plan that allows you to put your money where it can best be used. Your budget will have two categories, projected income and expenses. Again, any good accounting program will walk you through this. In the income category, conservatively estimate how much you can expect to make next year from all sales and other sources of income. Look at what you made last year and extrapolate from that. If you are new to business, what does your business plan say? Be realistic. If you paint too rosy a picture, then you can easily get in over your head and spend money that never materializes. If you make much more than your projected income, great. But if you make less, watch out. As far as expenses go, consider every expense you have. Advertising, auto, insurance, lease payments, taxes, phones, utilities, inventory, equipment, payroll. Any and all expenses that you anticipate will be borne by the business next year. Once you see your projected income and expenses on paper, you will know exactly how much you really need to make every month to keep things afloat and how much you have left over. You will be far less tempted to indulge in a business expenses that are not part of the plan. By having a budget, you will ensure that your expenses are not more than your income and that your money goes where you think it best be used. Cash flow. Cash flow is your business oxygen. Without it, your business will suffocate and die. One more reason then to create a budget is to ensure that you will have enough adequate cash flow. I can't say this any more plainly. Without consistent, sufficient cash flow to buy inventory, pay bills, handle payroll, and pay yourself, you're going to go out of business. Preserving and defending your cash flow, therefore, is critical. Aside from creating a budget, there are three more ways to control your cash flow. One, live by the rule. Without your business oxygen, your business will suffocate and die. Two, create cash flow projections. You need to know what will come in and when. Realistic cash flow projections are key. The question is, what do you expect your cash balance to be in six months? Always know that number. Think ahead. 3. Keep the pipeline open. A client or customer you create today may hire you, but it may be a few months before you finish the work and send out the bill, and it may be another month or two before they pay. You have to keep creating clients and doing work today to keep the cash flow spy god open. When it comes to cash flow, always project three to six months ahead. If you will need money in six months, you must create new business within that next three months. That way you can do the work or sell the product, bill it, and get it paid within six months. A cash flow crunch is usually the result of poor planning. All businesses have business cycles and they must be planned for. Starbucks knows that coffee sales go up in the winter and down in the summer. In the summer, then, they introduce cooler drinks to keep the cash flowing. The same should be true for you. 
You must know your business cycle, know when time should be good and bad, and plan accordingly. If you do run into a cash crunch, there are two things you can do. First, receive your receivables. Allowing clients to pay net 30 is common business practice, but anything more than that is bad business. If you consistently have outstanding invoices, change your terms. Always remember that accounts receivables, AR, are the lifeblood of your business, representing your business's cash flow and liquidity. Getting your receivables current, therefore, can bring in immediate cash. Here is how to get those tardy accounts receivables up to date. Assign an employee the task of contacting all AR over 30 days old and get a specific date as to when the debt will be paid. Have the employee call again that day if the money is not received. Once an AR is more than 60 days old, you have a real problem. If you are a sole proprietor, you must prioritize this task. Institute a new policy on 30 days notice that a surcharge of at least 10% interest will be due on all AR over 30 days old. Inform your customers that all outstanding balances must be made current before any new product will be sent out. If necessary, hire a lawyer or a collection agency to commence collection activities. As a last resort, you can always sell the debt. The money owed to you is a commodity and can be sold like one. Collection agencies buy a bad debt every day for sharply discounted prices. Your other option for dealing with a cash crunch, ironically, is to get a loan. Sometimes you simply need a short-term infusion of cash to keep things going until business picks up again. A prudent loan with a plan to pay it back can be a smart solution to a short-term cash crunch. Hiring an accountant or bookkeeper. Many small business people have a hard time dealing with the financial aspect of their business. They may be great innovators, have plenty of enthusiasm, and be the best salesperson around, but ask them to create a balance sheet and watch their eyes glaze over. Even the most powerful accounting software is useless if you cannot input or understand the data. So sometimes, nay often, hiring an accountant or bookkeeper is smart business. Duties of an accountant. While accountants cannot guarantee your success, they can be an important adjunct to your business. Their basic services include keeping track of how much your business owes, how much it is owed, creating financial statements such as balance sheets, income statements, and cash flow statements, and reconciling bank statements. Beyond that, a CPA might handle taxes. A good accountant can save your business thousands of dollars through proper tax planning. Do your payroll. Payroll is often outsourced. Handle audits. An accountant might prepare an audit for a small business whose potential investors require audited books. Deal with the IRS. The other sort of audit, the unwelcome one, is another place where accountants can come in quite handy. Offer business and financial planning. A CPA can help with succession and estate planning or help value the business for sale purposes. So where do you find a good one? Referrals are the best source. If you know someone who has a good accountant, get their name. Get referrals from friends, business associates, your banker, your attorney, or from other entrepreneurs whom you know. After you get a few names, set up some appointments, interview a few, and find out their experience. You want someone who deals with small businesses, especially in your field. Whether timely service is delivered. Numbers are constantly coming in from your business, so make sure that you will get reports at least monthly. Who will service the account? Will it be the person you are meeting or some junior accountant you do not know? What services can you expect beyond reporting? Will they handle your taxes, payroll, or what? Will you get business consulting as well? A good accountant or bookkeeper should become a valuable member of your team, helping you in areas where you are weak. How much will it cost? You should know fairly accurately how much time they will put in each month and what you should expect to pay. Fiducial is the leader in small business tax, financial, and accounting consulting. Go to www.fiducial.com. Again, as this person should become a dependable business advisor, you want someone whom you can trust and with whom you can get along well and feel comfortable. Independent accountants or small accounting firms can provide personalized service, while a big five firm offers more services and can lend prestige to your company. This, in turn, may help you raise capital, establish credit, and open doors. Cutting costs. Accountants are professionals, and their fees are not inexpensive. Even so, 
there are a few ways to keep your accounting costs down. Keep great records. Keep receipts organized. Have your ledger legible and up-to-date. Have your records automated if possible. Handle the small stuff, the stuff that you can do, do. Use a bookkeeper. If all you need is someone to do the books, a bookkeeper is much less expensive. Chapter 16. Making a Profit. It is no secret that organized crime in America takes in over $40 billion a year. This is quite a profitable sum, especially when one considers that the Mafia spends very little for office supplies. That was a quote by Woody Allen. The name of the game, of course, is making a profit, and many things go into the equation. Overhead, markup, and what the competition is doing, for starters. In this chapter, we examine how to make a consistent profit and what to do if you are not. Computing your profitability. As a concept, profit is easy to understand. It's the difference between what it costs you to make or buy your product and what you earn when you sell it. But it is when you break this seemingly simple concept down that things get a little complicated. When it comes to profit, there are four sub-concepts to understand. Gross and net profit, your profit margin, and markup. Gross and net profit. The gross profit on a product sold or service rendered is computed as the money you brought in from the sale less the cost of the goods sold, COGS. Net profit is your gross profit less taxes and interest. Net profit is the same thing as earnings or net income. Your COGS is the cost you actually incur in making the product or service or a product. It will include raw materials, labor, and other directly associated costs. For a product you sell, it is your wholesale costs. Computing your profit. Keeping a running tab on profitability helps you stay focused and can be an early warning sign of trouble ahead. Let's say you run a child care center. To compute your profit, you must figure out your total cost to take care of each child, such as rent, labor, food, insurance, utilities, advertising, auto, other. Let's assume that your total overhead every month is $5,000. If you have 10 children, then obviously your expenses per child would be $5,000 divided by 10, or $500 per child. That is your break-even point per child per month. Let's further assume that you gross $8,000 a month, meaning that you charge $800 a month per child. $800 times 10 children equals $8,000. Your gross profit, therefore, per child is $300, and your total gross profit is $3,000. Is that good or bad? It depends on your profit margin. Profit margin. While your gross profit is expressed as a dollar amount, $3,000, your gross profit margin is a percentage computed as follows. Gross profit divided by sales equals gross profit margin. In the preceding example, the gross profit would be $3,000 divided by $8,000, or 37%. That is good. Any business that makes 37% profit is doing something right. Again, some good accounting software will help you calculate these numbers quite quickly. Markup. Knowing your markup is critical to understanding your profitability. Like your gross profit margin, your markup is also expressed as a percentage. Sales price minus cost to produce divided by cost to produce. In the case of the child care center, it would look like this. $8,000, which is the sale price, minus $5,000, the cost to produce, is equal to $3,000. $3,000 divided by $5,000 equals 60%. So, the markup for each child is 60%. Again, quite impressive, which begs the question, how much should you be charging for your goods or services? Pricing. Just how important is selecting the right price? It could mean the difference between success and failure. The wrong price can put you out of business. Finding that magic number requires careful thought and planning. In the previous example, we know that you must charge at least $500 per child to break even. The trick is to come up with a price more than what gives you a good profit while still attracting customers. There are basically two schools of thought when it comes to pricing your product or service above your break-even point. If you are more interested in growing rapidly and capturing a share of the market, called, of course, your market share, 
then you need to price your goods as low as possible because the laws of economics dictate that a lower price will attract more customers. Volkswagen sells far more cars than Mercedes, but Mercedes makes more money per car. If you're going for a broad customer base, then you need to figure out, often by trial and error, what price people will consider a bargain and what still allows you to make a profit. However, if dominating the field is not your business model, if you are more interested in increasing profits, then you need to go with a higher price. It has to be near what the competition is charging, yet high enough for you to live on. Now, it's not always easy to figure out, and yes, it takes time. Add into this equation the brand you are attempting to create. As discussed, a big part of how people perceive your business is based on what you charge. Two lawyers may do the exact same sort of work, but the one who charges $350 an hour will be perceived as better than the one who charges $150 an hour. Yes, she will get fewer clients, but they probably are better clients. Here is the analysis to go through to determine your fees and prices. Determine your break-even point. Use the formula given to calculate your break-even point and start there. 2. Identify your customers and brand. Are your customers middle class or wealthy? Is your brand upscale or not? Do customers want bargains or is quality more important? 3. What is the competition doing? Again, people look for bargains. If you can afford to beat the competition, all other things being equal, you will get the business. Don't set your price too low. The best source of cash for growth is a healthy gross profit margin. 5. Test, test, and test some more. Finding the right price will require trial and error. Tinker. The money aspect of running a small business is often confusing. There are classes at your local community colleges that can teach you more. Other places to look for continuing adult education business classes are chambers of commerce, websites, and private seminar companies. Increasing your profit. There are three ways for you to improve your profits. First, you can sell more. Second, you can increase your prices. Third, you can reduce your overhead. That's it. Selling more. Of course, the best way to increase your profit is to sell more. Easier said than done, you say. Maybe, but the entire next section of this book is devoted to giving you many different ways to grow your business. You probably sell more today than you did five years ago. The trick is to duplicate what have you done right. Continue to do that. Be sure to add some new profit centers and read Part 4, Growing Your Business. Increase Prices Many small business owners are afraid to raise their prices because they fear that they will drive away customers. That may or may not be true. When you use prices as the primary gauge for your services, then other, maybe more important factors get left out of the equation. Things like quality, personal service, convenience, or speed. McDonald's and Walmart emphasize low prices because that is their business model. And unless it is yours too, then constantly worrying about fees and prices is likely a mistake. Because you are your own boss, you set the prices. When is the last time you raised your prices? Why you should be justly concerned that you may drive away clients if you do, it is still worth a shot. If your fears are valid, you can always lower your prices again. But if your fears are ungrounded, you will be giving yourself a well-deserved raise. If yours is a service business, consider testing a price increase on few customers first. If they do not balk, then you cannot roll out your price increases across the board. And if customers do, you can always change your mind. Reduce your overhead. The tried and true way to increase profit margin is to decrease costs. When a Fortune 500 company lays off 5,000 employees, they are utilizing this strategy. Of course, the risk is that by cutting costs, you may cut into the very thing that brings in business. That is a real danger, and that is why firing people usually is not the answer. What is? You have to figure out a way to reduce your overhead, and more importantly, to have employees care about keeping costs down, because it is often your employees will hold the key to cost overruns. If you can get them committed to saving, then staying consistently profitable is much more likely. How do you do that? Ask Jack Stack. Stack is an entrepreneur who runs a company called the Springfield Remanufacturing Corporation. SRC began like many a small business, in debt and struggling. Within five years, however, Stack had created a new way of doing business, and soon his business was worth millions. How did he do it? 
Stack taught his employees about business. He helped them understand how the finances and overhead worked, how reducing waste, for example, made a big difference, and then gave them a stake in the outcome by instituting profit-sharing. Stack's employees became part owners of the business and thereby had a stake in the outcome. By teaching them how their department finances run and how they could help the company and themselves make a profit, SRC reduced overhead dramatically and increased profits correspondingly. The system came to be called Open Book Management, OBM, because the company opened its books to employees. Now, this is probably a fairly sacrilegious thought to some small business owners. Most want their profits or losses to remain secret. While understandable, the thing to know is that there is another way, and the other way works. By opening the books, by giving his employees the knowledge that what they do makes a big difference to the bottom line, and by giving them an ownership interest in that bottom line, Stack created, in essence, a workforce of small business owners, and we all know how motivated small business owners are. If you would like to know more about open book management, pick up a stake in the outcome. Building a Culture of Ownership for the Long-Term Success of Your Business by Jack Stack, Currency 2003. Aside from adopting a business strategy like OBM, there are many other practical ways to reduce your overhead. Cut back on available supplies. One of the things employees love about being employees is that they can nab pens and send FedExes without paying for them. However, if costs are an issue in your workplace, you simply must stop excess waste in this area. Rent out space. If you have unused workspace, you may be able to rent it out to another small business. Give incentives. Because employees are on the front lines, they may see waste that you do not. Rewarding them for suggesting cost-saving measures that you may implement is smart strategy. Buy in bulk. Sam's Club, Costco, and the like are savings bonanzas for the small business person. Costco's executive membership costs about $100 a year, allows you to shop earlier, and offers you the chance to buy low-cost insurance, telephone service, lines of credit, and much more. Buy used. Instead of new furniture, for instance, buy used. Use the United States Postal Service. Instead of spending $15 to overnight a package, think ahead and use the USPS Priority Service two to three days for delivery for about $4. The Postal Service has many services geared for the small business person. Go to http slash slash www.usps.com slash smallbiz, S-M-A-L-L-B-I-Z. Rethink phone service. There are so many carriers with so many great deals, you better not be paying retail anymore. Review insurance coverage. The coverage you bought a few years ago may be outdated and overly expensive. Call your broker and get him to give you new quotes from several different insurers. Non-smoker and good driver discounts should be explored. Utilize video conferencing. Online video conferencing is a great way to reduce travel costs. Request proposals. Your tried-and-true vendors may have gotten a little lazy, taking your account for granted. Shop your needs to some new vendors and see if they can save you some money. Read Part 8 of this book, Business on a Shoestring. Scores of other ways to save money are offered. These are just the start. Of course, there are many other ways to reduce overhead without affecting the bottom line. Paying yourself. A question many small business owners have vis-a-vis -vis profitability is how much they should be paying themselves. The most important thing is to consider your business's financial condition. Before you can decide how much money you can safely put out of the business each month, first figure out how much money your small business needs, because its needs come first. If you bite the hand that feeds you, it will bite you back. Calculate your break-even point and go from there. Knowing how much comes in and goes out allows you to figure out how much you can realistically afford to pay yourself. How much is that? Only you can say for sure after seeing your budget. But as you begin to formulate that number, keep the following three things in mind. 1. Your business structure often determines when and how to pay yourself. There are five forms your business can take. C-Corporation, S-Corporation, Limited Liability Company, LLC, Partnership, or Sole Proprietorship. Only owners who have set their businesses up as C-Corporations are legally considered employees of the business. If your business is a C-Corporation, then you can pay yourself as you would every other employee as part of normal payroll. 
Beware of paying yourself too much because it can trigger a tax audit. Let's say that you own a C corporation with $600,000 in profits. That is taxable income. You might decide that a hefty six-figure bonus to yourself makes sense. While probably deserved, the amount of your yearly income is significantly more than what similar CEOs get for the industry. The IRS may conclude that the bonus was a sham transaction intended to reduce corporate profits and pay less taxes. As a general rule, salaries of less than $500,000 are not challenged, but those that are more are. Many small businesses start as sole proprietorships or partnerships. Sole proprietors can pay themselves whatever they want. It depends almost entirely on how much profit you make, how much money your business needs, and that's what you can afford to pay yourself. Partners must consider the desires of each